had knee surgery last week, and so I'm just kind of uh, doing the whole uh, stool thing this morning. But uh, we're going to make this work, right? Amen. right? amen. Okay, cool. So uh, when I was in high school, uh, I was in the band. I was a, I was a band geek. Total band geek. And, and not, not just any band geek. I was a trombone player. Yeah. <laughs> amen to the trombone. <laughs> my, my friend Shelly back there plays the trombone. So yeah, I was a trombone player in the band. Lots of, lots of dates. Um, but uh, no, in all seriousness, uh, when I was in marching band, we had two different kinds of marching that we had to do. Uh, the first kind of marching was field marching, uh, like for halftime shows kind of thing. Uh, so we would go out and we would march at halftime shows. We'd have to learn the routines and everything like that, learn the formations. And it's where you create different formations of abstract patterns in the, in the field and stuff like that. And so the other kind of marching uh, that we did was uh, parade marching. How many of you were in marching band? Anybody? Any? All right. Yeah. Woohoo. Uh, but uh, how many of you remember marching band uh, in a parade? That, that's fun. That, that's lots of fun. Um, uh, nothing like a, a hot Indiana day, uh, July 4th, right? You know, we would march like three parades in one, in one day. And back in the day when I was in marching band, we had these wool uniforms. And uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, with uh, we had the coolest black Australian hats uh, that just absorbed the sun uh, right on your head. It was great. Uh, so, um, uh, but we would go marching in the parades, and we'd do the Crown Point Parade. I grew up in Crown Point. Do the Crown Point Parade all the way down Main Street. Then we go out to Lakes of the Four Seasons, do the Four Seasons Parade. Then the, the worst parade we ever did was the Maryville Parade. Now, no no offense to anybody who lives in Maryville, but uh, your parade's horrible. Uh, and <laughs> it is like. A mile and three quarters straight up Broadway in the middle of the afternoon. It's 105 degrees outside in a, in a BAM uniform, it is at least. And I kid you not, we were, we were melting. We were literally melting into piles of goo on the street. It was awful. Uh, but so when, when you're in marching band and marching in a parade formation, you, you have a couple things that you got to do. Uh, if you want to keep in step, with the marching band, you've got you to constantly be aware of where you are uh, in the street uh, and where your fellow bandmates are. So, uh, for example, as a trombone player, I don't know why they don't put trombone players at the very front. Because we have this slide that, like, goes out, you know, and, like, uh, I, I don't know how many times I got close to, like, impaling a piccolo player right in front of me, you know, with my trombone. Uh, but anyway, um, so... Uh, in order to keep in step with the band, you've got to use your peripheral vision. You've got to look to the side to make sure that you're in, your feet are in marching in formation along with theirs. Uh, you've got to be able to uh, know where the person is in front of you. So again, you don't impale the piccolo player in front of you. Uh, you've got to keep your eyes on the drum major to make sure you're keeping the time, right? And all that while, you've got to keep playing your instrument the whole time uh, to the music that you've memorized. In 98 degree heat. In the middle of summer. It's crazy. But you want to make sure that you stay in step with the band. Because otherwise, you look like a doofus. Now, in our lives, it can be easy to get out of step in different ways. We might get out of step with our family. I think this is why family vacations are important. Family meals, you know, family dinner. Uh, spending time together as a family is important. 
so you don't get out of step with your family. Because when you're out of step with your family, you know, things feel weird and they feel different and they, you know, they, they just don't feel right. Or maybe you're out of step at work. You get out of step at work. You know, you, you miss a couple of days because of the flu or knee surgery, you know, and you miss a couple of days and all of a sudden you feel like you're way behind and you have no idea what's going on. I went back to work. Uh, let me tell you right now, uh, I was home uh, Monday. I, 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 had, I worked at the office Monday morning, went in for surgery Monday afternoon. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I was home most of the day. Uh, like Tuesday, Wednesday, I was home all day. Uh, there, there's nothing on TV during the day. So I'm just telling you, if you're going to be home for any extended amount of time, you might want to get a Netflix subscription because uh, there is nothing, nothing on TV. You can only watch so much WGN morning news um, uh, uh, during the day. So anyway, um, it's awful, just awful. Anyway, so uh, I, I missed a few days of the office. I go back to the office on Friday, work in the morning and stuff, and it's like all these things have happened in, in just three, four days. And it's like, when did all of this happen? How did I get so out of step with my job? How did this happen? Well, then uh, we can get out of work. We can get out of step at home. We can get out of step at work. You know, sometimes we get out of step spiritually. And we get out of step in our spiritual lives. And we feel like we're a couple of steps behind spiritually. Or we feel like we're out of sync spiritually. It's often when we kind of neglect our good spiritual habits. Uh, when we don't do the things that we're supposed to be doing, that we know we're supposed to do. Or when we start struggling with sin and temptation in a way that makes us kind of forget about what we're supposed to be doing. We, we know the sins that we, we shouldn't be committing. Or we know the good things that we should be doing. And we start doing the things we're not supposed to do. Or we don't do the things that we should do. And we get out of step spiritually. And the longer we're out of step, the longer we're out of sync, the worse things feel, the worse things appear. Well, today we're going to talk about getting in step with the Spirit and how Jesus frees us to live by the Spirit. We are in the book of Galatians here on Sunday mornings, if you haven't been with us before. We've been talking about this letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the churches in a region called Galatia. Galatia is what is now modern-day Turkey. Now, the Apostle Paul was an enemy of Jesus Christ. He was an enemy and an opponent of Jesus until Jesus called him out of the darkness and into the light of grace. And the Apostle Paul then became a messenger. He became one of Jesus' biggest cheerleaders, is what he did. So he went from being an opponent and an enemy of Jesus to being one of Jesus's biggest cheerleaders. So this letter that Paul wrote to the Galatians is all about the freedom and the grace that we have in Jesus Christ. That we cannot be saved or forgiven by following a bunch of Jewish laws or a bunch of Jewish rules. We can only be saved and forgiven by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ. That when we put our faith and trust in Jesus by believing in him, repenting from our sins, confessing our faith and getting baptized, God washes away our sins, and he cleanses us and purifies us. Uh, I had the privilege of baptizing two people yesterday. It was awesome. Uh, and not only that, but we have four people getting baptized, at least four people getting baptized at our first Saturday night service this coming week. So it's just, just a, a God is, 
we've had almost 20 baptisms uh, so far here in 2018. God is doing an incredible work. We give him all the glory and all the praise for what he's doing. And he's using our church to change lives, which is very exciting. So, like I said, this coming Saturday night, we've got four baptisms at least. Uh, and uh, we're very excited about that. If you haven't uh, thought about coming to Saturday night or inviting a friend to Saturday night, we start this coming weekend, uh, 5.30 uh, from here on out. So as will be our third service option, which is exciting for people who can't get to church on a Sunday morning, who can't get here on a regular basis on Sunday morning, that they'll have an option to be able to come and worship the Lord with us every week as well. So uh, God is good. Amen? Amen. So we are in Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 26 today. And uh, if you brought a Bible, great. Grab it, turn to Galatians 5, 16 through 26. Or if you're watching online, you can grab your Bible, turn there. Uh, if you didn't bring a Bible, it's all right. You can grab one out of the chair in front of you. It's on page 826. Or if you uh, want to follow along, it'll be on the screen. Or you can use your favorite app on your smartphone or tablet. Uh, we are in Galatians 5. And we're going to take this passage in three little chunks for about the next 10 minutes or so. We're going to talk about what it means to live by the Spirit and how Jesus frees us to live by the Spirit. So let's look at verses 16 through 18 first. Paul wrote, So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. So what he's saying is we have a sinful nature. Every single one of us, born with a sinful nature, goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden, to the fall of man in Genesis chapter 3. We have a sinful nature. And this sinful nature is a natural bent towards sin. So that given the option between doing the right thing and the wrong thing, more often than not, we're going to do what? The wrong thing, right? We see it played out in our lives in a million ways. Uh, it's like I, have, I can do this, which is hard, but it's right. Or I can do this, which is easy, and, uh, but it's wrong. And we do the easy thing. We do the wrong thing more often than not. So we have a sinful nature, a natural bent towards sinning. And if we live by the Spirit, he says, you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Now, there's a difference between gratification and satisfaction. Gratification is something that uh, is momentary. It feels good for the moment, uh, but then it usually is accompanied with a lot of guilt and shame. Satisfaction is eternal. And only Jesus, not Snickers, only Jesus satisfies. Everything else will gratify you for a minute. It'll feel good for a moment. It'll feel good for a, uh, an hour or maybe two hours, but then at some point when you realize that you gave in to temptation and you gratified the desires of your sinful nature, that there, there is guilt and shame that sets in when, when the devil comes along and says, ha, look at you. Ha! Look what you did. Look what a mess you made of your life. Gave in to temptation. What, what would God ever want with you? Now, what could God ever want with you? And we believe those lies, don't we? We believe those lies. And we just wallow in guilt and shame. And, and we don't have to live there, folks. We don't have to live there. All right, verse 17. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. We know what we want to do. We want to do the right things. Amen? I, I need more amens than that because otherwise i got a lot of work to do with you all. <laughs> we want to do the right things, right? Amen? Yeah, all right, okay. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. And then Paul goes on after this to describe four categories of sin. And the first is personal immorality. Look at the next few verses. It says, the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. 
sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. Hold on, right there. So those three acts right there of the sinful nature, this is what our sinful nature does. These are the first category of sin uh, is personal immorality. We'll get to that in a second. Keep going. Idolatry and witchcraft. That's the second category of sin. Idolatry and witchcraft. Hatred, discord, uh, uh, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy. And then the fourth category is drunkenness, or, orgies, and, then, and the like. He says, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So, like I said, there's four categories of this sinful behavior. Uh, the first is personal immorality, and this is uh, sin of a sexual nature. Now, in the church, we have a tendency to take this one category and make it about, it's worse than everything else. Personal immorality, it's the absolute worst. And usually it's because people in church don't struggle with it, or at least they don't admit that they struggle with it. And so we look down our noses at other people going, ha, 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 you filthy sinner, struggling with personal immorality. And whatever that sexual immorality is, sexual immorality, the definition of it, is any kind of sexual behavior outside of a monogamous, committed, heterosexual, married relationship. So addiction to pornography, folks, sexual immorality. Adulterous affairs of the heart, the mind, and of the body, sexual immorality. Homosexual behavior, sexual immorality. And what we do is we look at those and go, ah, those are the worst sins. And we totally neglect and ignore our own sinfulness to condemn other people. Now, I want to be clear. There is a difference between temptation and sin. Temptation is not sinful. What? You know, you want to know how I know this? Because in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15... It says, we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in what way? Every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Who is he talking about? Jesus. Jesus was tempted in how many ways? Every way. Jesus was tempted sexually, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Jesus was tempted in every tempted to lie, tempted to steal. He was tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. And because he did not sin, he was the perfect, acceptable human sacrifice for our sins. Because we are tempted, and what do we do? We sin. We, we give in. We do not resist temptation. We give in and we sin. And some of those sins are sexual. But that's not the only category, by the way. That's not the only category. Just wait. There's more. Category two, attempts to control the supernatural. Attempts to control the supernatural. This is through witchcraft and idolatry. Whether it's bowing down to an idol and praying to an idol, uh, a false idol or a false god to say, give me what I want. Or witchcraft. Uh, using uh, drugs or the occult in order to try and influence the future. Witchcraft is sinful. Idolatry is sinful. Category three, selfishness. Now see, this is where we tend to forget the fact that we're all sinners. Because we'll look at this list and, and, and we'll say, oh, shame on you, sexual immorality person. Shame on you, witchcraft person. Shame on, wait, what, selfishness? Yeah, let's look at that list for just a second. 
before we start condemning everybody else, which, by the way, is not our job, uh, but before we start condemning everybody, uh, hatred. Anybody hate anyone here today? Maybe not here, but like out there. Yeah, I hate those people. Oh, really? Okay, so hatred. Uh, discord. Have you ever, like, tried to divide people and, and, and been divisive? Uh, jealousy. Anybody jealous of anybody else here? No? Nobody's ever jealous, right? Yeah. Man, I wish I had that car. I'm so jealous of your spirituality. Fits of rage. How many of you commute to Chicago every day? No fits of rage here. Selfish ambition. You ever been selfish? You ever try to put yourself before someone else? Dissensions, factions, and envy. Oh my. Yeah. I think that covers about just the rest of us. I think it covers just about everybody, doesn't it? So before you start looking down your nose at anybody else in this list and saying, ah, see, it says there, right there, the people who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. People who live like you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Because not only is there all those, those that nine, but there's drunkenness and orgies, he also says, which is the, the fourth category of drunken carousing. So if you're getting drunk on Saturday night, come to church, or if you're, okay, so like, we're starting Saturday night service, all right? Okay, so like, it does not get, all right, you know what I'm saying. So um, don't come to church. Better to ask for forgiveness than to ask for permission. No, 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 no. And then he uses three words that should scare us all. Because he lists these 15 sins. And by the way, there's more than 15. There's so many more. And he uses these three words to describe them. And the like. And the like. So if I didn't list your sin in the previous 15, let me just lump everybody else back in. Because if you're not doing one of those other 15 things, you're doing something in the and the like category. We're all sinners, my friends. Every single one of us. Every single one of us. And, and I look at a passage like Romans 7, 14 through 25. I want to read for you real quick. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual. Soul is a slave to sin. I do not understand why I do what I do. For what I want to do, the right things, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, in God's word. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks. Be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature a slave to the law 
of sin. And though I am a slave to sin, Jesus delivers me. Jesus sets me free. He frees me from the consequences of my sin. He frees me from the power of sin. Sin has no power over me. The devil has no power over me. The devil has no power over you. He is a defeated, wounded enemy. We'll talk more about that in just a second. It says that those who keep on living this way, the 15 sins and the like, those who keep on living this way, those who live a life characterized and marked by sinfulness, will not inherit the kingdom of God. But there's hope. There's hope. Look at the last three verses, four verses. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit, these are the things that are contrary to the acts of the sinful nature. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. And that verse 26 seems like it's just kind of a throw in there. But it is so important that the work that the Holy Spirit does in our lives about bringing about this change in us, this transformation, this sanctification, this love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, these nine qualities, these nine characteristics that the Holy Spirit brings about in our lives, it's the work of the Holy Spirit. It's not our own. And so he says, do not become conceited thinking that you did all this work on your own. Do not become conceited thinking that you're so much better than everybody else. Do not become conceited thinking that you've got your act together and that you're okay. It was the Holy Spirit who changed you. It is the Holy Spirit who transforms you. It is the Holy Spirit that makes you more loving and kind and joyful and, and peaceful and, and patient and kind and, love and, and good and gentle and faithful and self-controlled. It is the Holy Spirit who does this work in you. You don't do it on your own. It is God's Spirit, the Spirit of God, that changes us and transforms us and makes us look more like Jesus. So how do we do this? He says, keep in step with the Spirit. How do we keep in step with the Spirit? Well, we've got to reject the sinful nature. We've got we to resist the devil. And we have to keep in step with the Spirit of God. Resist the devil, not the Spirit of God. Uh, in uh, James 4, 7, he wrote, uh, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Instead of resisting God's Spirit, when God's Spirit comes to you and says, hey, you need to be a little more loving. <laughs> uh, you need to be more patient. You need to be more good. You need to be more righteous. Do not resist the Spirit of God. Resist the, de the devil. Resist the enemy who comes along and says, you don't need to do that. Just once won't hurt. Just go ahead and give in to your sinful nature. Why resist? It's so hard to be good. It's so hard to be holy. It's so hard to be righteous. Wouldn't it feel good just to do this just this one time? And what do we do? We give in. And we do it just that one time. And that's when the guilt and the shame sets in. And the devil comes around kind of mocking you and 
accusing you, saying, ah, <laughs> well, now that you completely screwed up your life, what would God ever want with you? Why would God ever want you? Look at you. Pathetic. What a mess you are. Look what a mess you made of things. Just what's my hand. But that's when the voice of Jesus comes. He says, don't you listen to that life. Don't you listen to that life. You are my child. And I will never turn away from you. I will never reject you. I will never leave you. I will never abandon you. I will never forsake you. And I will always forgive you. Always. So don't, don't resist the Spirit of God. Resist the devil. Now on a practical level, what does this look like? It looks like what I talked about a couple weeks ago. GPS. If you're going to uh, grow in faith, and if you are going to look more like Jesus, if you are going to keep in step with the Spirit, you need to develop some good spiritual habits. And GPS is a great place to start. Uh, the first spiritual habit you need to develop is grouping. And that means you've got to get in a group. You need to be in a connection group here at GFCC. If you're not in a connection group yet, you can sign up for one today after this service. And our connection groups, our next round of connection groups get started uh, right after Easter. And we'd love to have you join a connection group and get in a group. And, and I, my, one of my favorite things to do is to get on Facebook and see when people write about their connection groups and what a difference it makes in their lives and how it's changing their lives. That is awesome. That's the whole point of connection groups. So if you're not in a group of people who are going to encourage you and, and, and help you grow and strengthen you, the, the people around you are going to shape you. And if you're hanging out with people who are shaping you uh, in a bad way, you're going to turn out like them. But if you're hanging out with people and you're grouping with people who are going to help you grow in faith, you're going to grow in faith. So you need to be grouping. Secondly, you need to be praising. And this is just a matter of just committing yourself to going to church, to be in here on a Sunday morning or on a Saturday night starting this week, to be here on a Saturday night or a Sunday morning. And like Brandon said earlier, Saturday night's going to be just like Sunday morning. It's going to be uh, same music, uh, same children's programming, uh, same mediocre message, uh, same... It's going to be the same. Same communion, everything. And, but we want you to come and join us uh, for Saturday night or Sunday morning. We want you to be here because it's good for you. Uh, it's not about padding our numbers. It's not about making you know, ego strokes to make Sean feel better about himself because, oh, yay, people are coming to church. No, that has nothing to do with that. It's good for you to be here, to praise God, to thank Him for what He's done, or to beseech Him, to pray to Him, and ask Him to help you. To turn to your brother and sister next to you and go, I need help. I need you to strengthen me. I need you to encourage me. I need you to pray for me. We need that. So grouping, praising, and serving. Serving is the third one. And you've got to get involved. And no one's going to twist your arm uh, no one's going to browbeat you into getting involved in the church. But I want to tell you right now, your faith will grow if you get involved. If you serve alongside other people, your faith is going to grow. If you serve children or if you serve teenagers, your faith is going to grow. Uh, if you will get involved and serve here at GFCC, your faith will grow. And so I want to encourage you to, to get on the spiritual GPS. Grouping, praising, and serving. 
so that your faith will grow and you will keep in step with the Spirit. And when we keep in step with the Spirit, we're going to be changed. We're going to be transformed. Our lives are going to be better. Our lives are going to be different. And if you're sick and tired of the status quo, if you're sick and tired of giving in to sin and temptation, if you're sick and tired of feeling that shame and guilt that never stops, that just that, that constant barking in your ear of you're a pathetic loser and you're not a good Christian and you, and you just keep falling short and you keep messing up, you know, if you're sick and tired of hearing those voices, you need to get in step with the Spirit because the Spirit's never going to lie to you. The Spirit will never lie to you. The Spirit of God will guide you, lead you, change you, transform you so you look more like Jesus.